Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. I'm really, really privileged to um, to have our uh, our guests um, attend and participate. And uh, you know, as we do at Business Benchmark Group, we really uh, keep things at a level that's feet on the ground, and and it's, uh, it it takes exceptional leadership, exceptional vision, but also exceptional courage to take an idea and turn it into something that's a going concern that keeps on multiplying and growing and and having significant impact. So, without a further ado, I'd love to introduce our. Uh, our guest for this afternoon, Ed Mallett, from, who is the founder and managing director of EmployShore, an organisation that has over 25,000 live clients between Australia and New Zealand and, dare me say, 950, I guess, amazing, amazing human beings on the payroll as employees doing their bit, making a difference, making the boat go faster, as we say in the classics. And um, for many small businesses um, who cannot afford the internal HR uh, department and or being up to date with the latest and the craziest and, and the most relevant information and as it relates to legal information, in, in relation to HR and, and, and it's such an important part of having a successful business. As you know, at Business Benchmark Group, one of the key pillars to success is having an amazing team, but a team that belongs and keeps on coming with you. So Ed Mallett and Employer Show have done a phenomenal job of making it really easy as they relate to their three pillars of strength is the right advice at the right time at the right price. So without further ado, welcome and uh, good afternoon, Ed Mallett. Thanks for having me, Stefan. I, I should uh, uh, first of all apologise for my dress. When I, I heard this uh, podcast, I thought I was going to get away with being in my trackies today, and uh, uh, you stitched me up. So you're looking smart, and I'm looking scruffy, but uh, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. No, very good. And if I actually stand up, I'm like those TV hosts, mate, with a, a pair of uh, really awkward-looking Mickey Mouse boxer shorts. Mate. Okay. So okay. I'll start with a, a really cool question. What has been your biggest roadblock in business or life, and how did you overcome it? I mean, you came from the other side of the world to a beautiful little place called Australia, and you had an idea, and off you went, and you created what I just described. However... What has been your biggest roadblock in business or life and how did you overcome it, Ed? Great question. I, I think that, uh, um, funnily enough, um, for me, the roadblock in some ways was opportunity in that uh, I was lucky enough uh, that my, my, my parents uh, worked their butts off to get me a great education that I always considered that I'd be a bit of a stuff up if I then didn't make something of it. Um, and that something of it and where my horizon sat was that uh, uh, I felt pretty destined to go into professional services, um, uh, white collar jobs, if you like. Uh, and I became a barrister um, uh, off the back of that. And that was the level of my horizon uh, in a way. And that was as odd as that might sound like uh, sound to say that that's an obstacle that was uh, because that was my horizon that's what i knew um i came from a background where that was kind of the the the, uh, the mountain we were all trying to get to the top of i didn't know anything about entrepreneurship uh, i knew very new very few businesses i knew very few business owners 
uh, and was lucky enough actually um, in meeting my wife. Um, um, her dad was a, an entrepreneur and I got to meet him. And it's opened up this whole world to me of, of people, places, interesting ideas I, I, I didn't understand or know anything about. And that little taste of entrepreneurship um, gave me the chance to consider it for myself. And then when I moved here from the UK, uh, because I didn't have any other job, uh, it meant that I, uh, uh, I I was almost forced into giving it a crack. So uh, uh, that, that that in a weird way, my 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 privilege, if you like, was my my biggest roadblock to uh, getting started in business. Well done, and um, you use a word that is used. Um in many, many places, in many different ways, entrepreneurship. And before we move on to the next question I have for you, what is your take in 20 words or less when you say and share the word, walk the walk of a word called entrepreneurship? What, what comes to mind when you say that? What's your interpretation of the word entrepreneurship? Um, not sure I love the word as a starting point. Um, it'll give me a bit of a pause to think about that as well. Um, the, I'm going to scatter a few words rather than a sentence there. There's, there's a certain level of bravery uh, would be a key word for me. Zeal, uh, another a key word. I, I don't know that you can be an entrepreneur without being zealous. Uh, absolutely uh, passionate about what you do, um, which is an extension of that. Um, there are two other great words. I was just doing a performance review, actually, of my um, my head of marketing here just now. And we were talking about two core words to entrepreneurship. And uh, one is grit. Uh, I've always loved people with grit and that, that determination to get things done, not just business people, whether it's in uh, your hobbies, your sport, whether you're a musician, whatever it is, that determination not to uh, stop until you're finished. Um, and then... Um, Related to that, almost crossing over that is uh, is that uh, word hustle, which outside of entrepreneurship, I think has some quite negative connotations. It feels a bit sort of street cornery, snake oil salesman-y. But if you do it in a way that combines with grit and the passion and the zeal that I've just talked about, I think there's a really positive uh, um, uh, sense to that hustle. You you will use your mind and your skill set to make sure that you achieve things, your, the, the journey that you set out on. Um, so that was definitely not 20 words, but uh, that's, that's my, my best answer, Stefan. I love that. And, and <laughs> you know, as I listen, I also embrace and I think, you know, I mean, many people refer to me as someone that has white line fever. And I cannot remember mm. one stage in life, even as a very young man, very young boy at school, you know, White line fever. If I put my hand up, I put my hand up and I want to be counted. I'm going mm. all the way through. I'm pushing through. And the learnings that come with that are amazing. So entrepreneurship with everything you just said there is a, is a beautiful, beautiful, again, just, just message for many who will listen to this and say, wow, okay, there's a spin on that. I love that. Well, it's that, that sense of um, maybe ownership where – you, you know within yourself, and I don't think it's about being cocky or arrogant or anything like that. You don't need to express this to anyone else, but just a belief that you will achieve. And you, if you set your mind to something, you will get there. And I, I, the, the entrepreneurs I meet tend to have that. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to meet a lot of small business owners through my role. Uh, and they tend to all have that. They all have their down days and up days, as I do. But uh, they, 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 they wouldn't have bothered getting started if they didn't believe they could finish it. 
I love that. And, and, you know, the grit to push through, which was some of the, uh, the aspects yeah. that you shared there is, is that point, you know, it's, it's never over continuous improvement. Sir Peter Blake, which I know we're, uh, we're mm. both students of as it relates to, will it make the boat go faster? How can we improve? Yeah. KZN continuous improvement. Love that. For those who are listening, who don't know you, I mean, you know, for many, Look, in, in fairness, your profile as an individual, I know it's not your safety zone, but as a profile in the last uh, year or so during this crazy year that we've had, um, you know, your profile's definitely been raised. But in saying that, for those that, that, that are listening to this and don't know you at all, tell us a snapshot about you, what your typical day in your life, in your business, what does that actually look like? Uh, good question. So, I, I, um, as I mentioned before, I have a background in uh, employment law where I was a, a barrister. Uh, in prior to that, I think probably a, a reasonably relevant part of my journey is I, I played professional sport for a few years uh, as a rugby player. Um, and I, I give that as colour because I think that the characteristics that I've identified in terms of grit, um, zeal, passion, um, and then that hustle are things that I, I needed to, uh, the attributes I needed to have or developed in those two roles as a barrister and a, a rugby player. You know, I, I moved here 10 years ago. Um, uh, I moved over my wife, who's an Aussie. Uh, we always wanted to come over here when we started to consider having a family. And, um, and at the time, to have carried on being a barrister, I would have needed to cross-qualify over here, sat some more exams, be honest i felt pretty done with exams by then so that was kind of uh if you like the safety net that got taken away from me and it, it, in that context i started to look at other options and what i had seen in the uk were these great businesses that were helping out the small business market with their employment relations and health and safety issues uh, and they acted on a form of subscription, a membership for small businesses where they got, as you say, uh, the, the right advice at the right time at the right price. And whilst it does feel a bit sort of uh, uh, like, like that's been run through a, a marketing team, they, those, were genu- they were, those are my words that um, uh, I wanted to achieve out of the business. I, I felt that the old fashioned model of being a lawyer was a crappy model as it related to small business, charging people by the hour poor problems that often just didn't justify the cost. You didn't want to spend $500 an hour on someone just to find out how to treat Joe Bloggs if he's been late again this morning, um, which dissuaded people from running good workplaces. Uh, I always say that you, I don't think you can have a good business, um, uh, a business at least with employees. You can't have a good business with employees unless you fundamentally treat people fairly. And by that, I mean, you, you treat them with respect and dignity and so on. But at its most basic, um, if you, Stefan, are uh, working for me, let's say, and uh, you're turning up to work each day, the fundamental promise is that you're going to turn up to work uh, and do a certain job. And in return, I'm going to give you money. And uh, that promise is so often got wrong in Australia where people give the wrong money uh, for that. And for me, unless you can promise to treat people fairly, you've got a crappy business. And the second element of that is you need to treat them safely. You need to know if you turn up to work that you're going to go home at the end of the day uh, with your physical health intact. You're not going to lose any limbs or anything like that, but also your mental health intact and that you're not going to get bullied or harassed in the workplace and have those stresses and so forth. So for me, that uh, I, 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 I find a lot of purpose in that and helping people understand how to build business in that way. Um, 
I was lucky enough to have the technical expertise from my old role as a, a lawyer, and I saw this business opportunity that um, through businesses that were doing what I wanted to do in Australia, they were already doing in the UK. So that's the business in Poyshaw that I set up 10 years ago. Uh, and we've been very fortunate to grow um, uh, um, rapidly over that time. We've gone from just me uh, to now, as you mentioned before, about 950 people um, across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and we, we, we're fortunate enough to count, uh, we're about 27,000 small business clients now. Um, and th these are real small businesses. I know often you'll speak to people and they'll say, oh, you know, small businesses, 150 staff. Um, we, we have clients with 150 and more staff, but the lion's share of our, our clients are uh, hairdressers, cafes, childcare centers, businesses like that, a lot of construction businesses, the trades, um, uh, who are just uh, it, more often than not founded by people that were experts at what it is that they do, not experts at managing people. And we're, we're trying to help them with that. Um, and I love that. That's, a, that's something I'm really passionate about. I love meeting the people and feeling like I can contribute to their um, story in some way. And uh, just for rounding up on that, I, uh, I sometimes get asked, you know, what, what would be my dream job? And if I you know, park this for a moment, I, I, uh, I love doing what I do here. But if I could do anything in life, I'd love to. Um, uh, I'd love to have been the, the guitarist for uh, for Coldplay. Uh, I, by the way, I don't know how to play the guitar. I'm not musical at all. But the reason I would love that is I feel like you're part of the band, uh, but you're you're in the background. And I reckon that whoever the guitarist is, and I don't know his name. Oh, I know his uh, name. But he, <laughs> He could walk down the street and grab a cup of coffee today, and none of us know any different. And then tonight, he could play in front of a hundred thousand people and do be brilliant at what he does. And I like to think of myself or our business as being a form of guitarist for small businesses. You know, they're the band, they're the lead singer. Sorry, we're just we're in the background in the band. And Jed, while we're on this, I mean, you started ten years ago. Obviously, an amazing vision, an amazing idea. And it has, you know, it's, it's in terms of scale, it's at a level which, you know, many people don't even dare to dream, let alone execute at, because it's so far beyond comfort zones and, 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 and the, you know, even the consideration of what are the obstacles to go from one to 50, let alone 100 to 200. Mm. And, and, you know, to a certain degree, we, we do the same things, but from different angles with, yep. with small business. But, in your journey, if you think about the last 10 years, and I know this is off the beaten track for our interview here and our podcast, but it's so pivotal to not miss this opportunity. When you went from that first day, day one, which is the famous uh, motto of our very good friend, Jeffrey Bezos, right? Mm -hmm. Day one, never forget day one. Yep. <laughs> when you went from day one to what is, let's say, fast forward five years and you may have been at, 5,000 clients at that point or maybe 100 people on the team. Where did you, where did you get the rapid scale? Where did, at what point in the last 520 weeks, Ed, did the business employer show actually get rapid scale? And what could you, if you were to pinpoint what happened, what would you say it was? Great question. So I, as a business, we never had, uh, we've, we've scaled very quickly uh, over those 10 years to where we are, but it, yeah, unlike uh, yeah, some of those sort of the, the Jeff Bezos, Silicon Valley type stories that we all read and uh, fantasize were happening to us, that sort of that amazing hockey stick growth, 
isn't really an attribute of, of our business. We've grown in quite a linear way, which is, it's been fast and that, that, that graph has been steep and it's been very challenging, but uh, uh, it, it, we, haven't, um, we haven't sort of woken up and gone from 10 clients to checking our inbox in the morning and finding it was 10,000. You know, we, each one of those clients we've gone out to meet and we've, we've worked hard to bring on board as a client and so forth. So there's been, in that sense, uh, uh, even at the fast pace we've been going at, time to adjust and learn on my part. Um, I vividly remember day one, day zero. I, I vividly remember actually the day we hit about 35 people. Um, and I remember thinking, do I need to ring up my investors and tell them I've never done this before? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and explaining to them that, you know, I'd, in fact, yeah, being from my old jobs, I'd, I'd never never managed anyone before. Um, I didn't need to as a rugby player and as a barrister, you work for yourself on your own. Um, so the concept of employing someone, um, leading them and inspiring them uh, had never been something that I'd, I'd done before. So I was doing a bit of a duck impression, I think, with the, you know, the feet going furiously underwater. And uh, what that meant for me was trying to do as much learning as I could speaking to people, listening to things, reading, um, in an effort to become um, a proper MD, I suppose. And uh, it's one of the curious things, isn't it, when uh, anyone's starting up their own company. And I I remember that day zero sitting uh, in the apartment my wife and I were renting when we first arrived here. Uh, She was out at work and I was there. And one of the first order of the agenda was, you know, what do I call myself? I decided to go with MD rather than CEO. The CEO felt a bit grand for me, with uh, in in a spare bedroom without uh, you know any staff or anything else. And uh, uh, it, but the job of MD that day is enormously different to what it is for me today. It started off by scrapping, and I was coming into the office when we first got one, and cleaning at weekends and doing all of that and all the things that you know our clients do, and a lot of them still do because they're fighting out day to day. And then, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I then had to learn how to let go of some of those tasks. The cleaning one wasn't that hard to let go of, I should add. I, I, uh, I, uh, I was uh, pretty easy to persuade on that. But uh, um, yeah, it was so many of the other tasks I still properly haven't let go of, to be honest. I find myself too drawn to try and do them myself. Uh, and that's certainly a weakness of mine. And, 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 you know, you mentioned there continuing to be the student, you know, yeah. continuing to have feet on the ground, you know, finger on the pulse, yeah. on the front line when needed. You know, leadership, leadership with, those, um, you know, with those attributes where, you know, you have that leadership responsibility and the MD or CEO or whatever it may be, GM responsibility at the top. But in mm. fairness, you know, feeling the pulse at the grassroots level, getting amongst the weeds if and when necessary to just, mm. just make sure you're not losing touch of the DNA, the culture, the, the things that we will never let go of as it relates to the growth and the continual maturity of a business. And, and, and 10 years in anyone's language um, as it relates to the numbers that, that, that represent the business, which is just, it's a reference point. But the thing that matters is, do we still know the name of our client? Do we still know what is important to them? Do we still know what was the pain point, the iceberg that they needed assistance to, to avoid? as it relates to HR and, and the support that you give them. So 
help helping our listenership and, and also many small business owners that will be listening to this. And, you know, I, I understand the walk. I've done it many times with my own money. I'm doing it again with Business Benchmark Group. You're doing it in, a, in an amazing way and an impactful way at EmployShore. But you never forget where you've come from. Mm. You never do. And, and the moment you do, it's the moment you're going down. Yep. Yeah, you know, your replacement strategy must be closer than than ever if you're starting to lose, you know, the passion for where did we start and what really matters here. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and it, and it's quite an interesting. Um, it is an interesting journey when you've come from zero and and you've got something now that's you know at a benchmark level and and it's making an impact. Like when you think about twenty seven thousand customers, I mean, we have one hundred and twenty rolling customers typically any given month. And we know that impacts about 200,000 people. Yep. As it relates to the employees, as it relates to their families, the suppliers, their customers, because we're teaching our clients. We're, we're, we're inspiring and motivating and guiding customer excellence. Now, right it takes on. a formidable team to deliver that. Yep. It takes a formidable supply chain to deliver that. Yep. And it takes an unbelievable customer base to receive that. Yeah. So if you think about the true second, third, fourth order consequence of what was, okay, we have a client, what is the ripple of that? It is in the magnitude of tens of thousands and it's um, simply amazing. So your 25,000, and this could be something you think about tonight at 2am, by the way, your 25,000 clients and 950 deep committed, passionate employees, team members, you're actually impacting about 5 million people, maybe even mm. more. If you do that some with a bit of uh, you know, napkin methodology, you'll get to about 5 to 10 million people, in my opinion, which is yeah. unbelievable. It, it's, it's interesting. And you know, it's something we talk about here. It's, uh, it, we're quite clear, I believe. We're probably better off asking some of the 950 people than me, but in, in what the purpose of what we do is, why are we here? And we... we uh, we talk it, about it um, as being our cathedral, the thing that we're trying to build together. We all play a role in it, whether we're the guys laying bricks or we're putting the windows in, we're building a cathedral together here. And that cathedral for us is, is really quite simple. It'd be very similar to your own stuff and that we're, we simply want to help build businesses. Now, beneath that uh, is uh, all of those people that you've just uh, mentioned and and so much so that, uh, I remember actually talking to quite a senior member of a union uh, and he said to me something along the lines of um, you guys help more employees than any union in this country. And, and I said, well, what do you mean? We act for employers. We, we, you know, we, that's our thing. We, we act on that side, not for the employees. He said, no, no, no. You think about it. Most employees are not unionized. I think only about 10% of the private workforce is. Um, and what you're doing is going to those businesses that are not typically unionized. Let's say it's a mechanic in a suburb here in Sydney, Parramatta, uh, let's say five employees uh, and um, one of the apprentices or the apprentice turns up late again for work. And the, the boss is a great mechanic, but doesn't have much tolerance for people turning up late and has never read the Fair Work Act fairly understandably um, and is he's fed up he's probably had a bad night's sleep for some reason and he just blows his lid and fires the guy and next thing you know he's got a the guy's been treated badly the apprentice and the boss has got a big legal liability 
and we're in a perverse way, I suppose, or indirect way is probably a better way of putting it, helping that employee just as we're helping the boss and saying, look, actually, this is, you know, don't shoot the messenger, but this is the red tape that the uh, Fair Work Act um, uh, creates. Let's do the right thing. That means that this guy's going to get treated fairly. You're not going to have that legal uh, exposure. And in that way, I, I agree with you. We're, we're impacting our clients and all of their employees and hopefully then the second and third connections through things like supply arrangements and their clients and so on. And, and then the bigger ripple, which is the, the, the invincible ripple, is great organisations are, you know, they're, they're servants to win, win, win. You know, you yeah. cannot do it on your own. You know that. I certainly do. You yeah. cannot do this thing called business on your own. You must do it and you must be committed to doing it and, and moving away from what I call brain damage of building team. I mean, if you're not building a team, you're actually owning a glorified job. Yep. Yeah. And that's, well, you know, at some point that has its own drama associated yeah. with it. Yeah. So in, in, in putting your hand up for education, in putting your hand up for awareness, but also taking the personal development with that yeah. ensures that you become more attractive. The people that work with you, they, they always have a chance to continuously be stepping up mm. or ultimately being deselected and moving into other teams that don't have as much, I guess, um, you know, rules of the game going on. But yeah. Everybody wins. Yeah. And that's what makes great businesses greater or good businesses great, as we know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Really good. What prompted you to help navigate the COVID-19 crisis and you had a, and you still do have a phenomenal, I guess, voice of reason, but what prompted you to help navigate the COVID-19 crisis with the daily live streaming service on Facebook, where you are attracting up to 6,000 and beyond small business owners daily to listen to your, uh, your, your brilliant mercils. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was, certainly wasn't an ambition to be uh, on live streams every day. I think you alluded to it earlier. I'm pretty um, introverted by character, so I don't uh, necessarily relish stuff like that. But what I, I recognised when the, 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 the crisis arrived, once I woke up to it, to be honest, and I wasn't, certainly wasn't the first to the party in waking up to it. I was probably in a bit of denial for a period. And then when I realised that I needed to step up as a leader, um, there were probably two sides to the same coin. Um one of those was leading our clients in, in in some way that there was a lot of confusion and we unwittingly found ourselves by the by what we do for our clients um as quite a central um cog in their wheel we we, we in helping them understand what their rights and obligations were vis-a-vis -vis their staff um that was a, a key component for whatever they were going to do through the crisis and I wanted to create a way of being very directly accessible to clients. I, I was struck, funnily enough, at the time. Remember, we were just coming off the back of the awful uh, fires here in New South Wales. And I was struck, at, uh, and I think he's done a pretty good job since, to be honest, but the Prime Minister said something that I thought was terrible at the time when, when he was caught over in Hawaii on holiday and someone criticised him for it. And he responded and said, I don't hold the hose, mate, was his quote and response. And I've, my, I, I thought to myself, you know what, I want to be the opposite type of leader to that with due respect to him. I do want to hold the hose. And the hose for me wasn't going and putting a headset on and sitting in our team and advising day to day. A better way of doing it was going out through the live stream to as many um, small businesses as I could. So that was one side of the coin. The other side of the coin was related to our team in that 
we've got 950 people. Suddenly we went from uh, having 300 of them here in our Sydney office um, to we only had a core group of about 20 people coming into the Sydney office day to day. Everyone else was working from home. Um, and then there were obviously people in locations that I just still can't get to today. And I wanted to show them that I was leaving no stone unturned, no rock unturned in my pursuit of uh, achieving business success for Employshaw through the crisis so that they felt that they had a leader that was out there fighting every day and that that fight was going to be what would uh, we hope deliver to um, preserving their jobs and um, uh, helping our business to succeed. So th those were the two reasons really. And um, uh, yeah, we, we, I don't know, some, we managed to trigger something, some sort of response from small businesses, which seems to have been relatively popular. But. Yeah, well done. And it takes, um, I mean, I, yeah, it takes commitment and it takes, um, again, it takes an internal driver to, to, to front up and do that and continuously turn up when, when it's just as easy as saying, okay, I think I'm done now. You know, I've done it for two weeks. I'm thinking I, I held the hose and it sort of shot water. But mm. um, no, to do, it, to do it for the length and, and con you, you continue to uh, front up and, and, and be, again, a spokesperson of reason as it relates to many small business owners who have had a very, very challenging and continue to have challenging times in, in, in every part of Australia and New Zealand. I mean, I know, I mean, I've just got an SMS actually from one of our clients in New Zealand who, again, is a bit concerned about what might be going on there in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. But, but yeah. the advice is you just got to push through. You can only control what you can control and be aware of, again, maybe just a little bit more than you don't typically need to be aware of, but that might be the difference. Well, it's that, 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 that grit, that zeal, that hustle that we talked about there. I think also on the communication, you know, we did daily, we did those live streams for about, I think, 50 or 60 days uh, on the trot. Um, and then now we do it once a week. And the view I took was, because I wasn't doing it for, uh, you know, popularity or anything like that. It was, it was genuinely being done out of help. And therefore, it was quite an easy thing, really. If people stopped watching, then we weren't helping. And it was easy enough to say, okay, we'll slow this down and, uh, and so on. Um, so that, it, 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 in my view as a leader, you know, communication, and I look at the leaders I've really admired during this crisis, regardless what their actual policies are, but those that I think have done a really good job have been really uh, apparently sort of excessive communicators. And we, we call it here that having the um, three C's of communication, that you're clear, that you're concise, and that you're consistent. Uh, and I've just tried to emulate those and uh, by consistent is probably the most fundamental of those three and that you're just you're there and you're regular for your people and they can rely on you to appear at a certain time each day or each week or whatever the, the frequency that you decide to do it and that that was a key part for me um it wasn't i'll just tell you it's, it's a sort of a, a reasonably amusing aside Tom made a joke to me internally here that you know, on facebook which we do the live stream through you can see the social characteristics of the people that are watching and uh, it's predominantly small business owners for us but uh, it turns out there's a bit of a skew towards uh, uh, women aged 45 apparently Stefan so I'm not complaining with that I'm very happy with that and uh, <laughs> I, so, so much so that my, my wife uh, uh, my wife's getting a little bit jealous but I uh, she, she, she's 41 now and I said to her I said look you know the great thing that you can take from all of this uh, is that in four years' time, when you hit 45, you might actually like me. 
<laughs> and, and you know, just, just as a side note on that, I, um, I mean, my mother was a phenomenal woman in business, and we've had, yeah. so I mean, we've had some amazing women in business that go on yeah. an unbelievable journey. So much so that 43 percent of our clients are, uh, are females that are just leading exceptional businesses. So Absolutely. I think there might be more to it than um, 45-year-olds <laughs> tuning in, Ed. Sorry. Oh, to sorry. sorry. Um, you think it's just statistically more. Has, uh, every reason to be concerned, <laughs> but she has a lot of reason to be knowing she's got the right man in her arms, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I'm, I'm probably over-inflating my own tyres there. I, know, it's uh, <laughs> I, I, I take any compliments where I can get them, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you most proud of in your life? I mean, you know, uh, you, you played sport at an elite level. You went to a very prestigious, a, as it relates to the name, and obviously yeah. you still need to do the work as it relates to the university. Cambridge was where yeah. you did your, uh, your your training. You you ended up commencing a barrister business, and and here you are in Australia, and the show goes on. You got children. You got a, you're getting a brand new Labrador today. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of things to be proud of, mate. But in yeah. saying that, um, what are you most proud of in your life and what would you say is your number one legacy at this very young and, and raw age of mid-40s? Yeah, great, um, great question. I'd, it's pretty hard to look beyond family on that, isn't it? I think that uh, um, I always think of, you know, when I talked earlier about EmployShore always working to its purpose, why, why uh, EmployShore exists. Now, Behind that is 950 people with individual purposes, and including myself. And uh, um, you know, I've, I've recognised with time that I think if you'd asked me this question when I was setting out on the employee short journey, I'd probably been a bit more and um, being transparent with you, I'd have been a bit more sort of financially motivated probably at that time in my life. I thought I was leaving being a lawyer to become a business person because business people could be greatly successful financially in ways that don't get me wrong lawyers do pretty bloody well for themselves but it was a different layer of uh, potential I suppose I look back on that now almost shivering a bit and think that's not really as I've matured a bit I, that's not really what I'm about um, uh, I've realized that the greatest satisfaction I have in life is when I get to help people which is why I've, I've enjoyed doing the live stream enjoy responding to any clients that uh, come through to me directly and chatting to them, just that sense of help. And even it's, you know, one of the odd things about being a, an employment lawyer is that uh, uh, probably as much, if not more than any other bra branch of law, you'll have friends ringing you for freebies all the time, always got mates in some sort of challenge or other in their own jobs. And, uh, and I love helping people on that. I'll immerse myself in that and, that then connects to my family life, which is that uh, I like to feel in some way I'm, I'm helping there as well, whether it's helping you know, bring my kids up, helping support my wife. Uh, she, she works, she's a lawyer actually as well, and she's a partner in a law firm and uh, um, uh, helping support her. And uh, I, 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 given that she's not here to be able to uh, challenge whether that's true or not, I'll claim that it is. But uh, I like to think I do, even if I don't. Uh... <laughs> so it's, that word, I love the word help, uh, and and I've realised uh, with time that 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 sits, you know, at, at the centre of everything I want to do and try to do in my life, and and all the other spiders' legs that come off that um, uh, should stay connected to that that body of um, of purpose. Beautiful, beautiful, um, and and yeah, well done, and you're certainly 
<laughs> the reference to the spider there's got me thinking too. Yeah, that's yeah. um that's pretty good. If you could go back to tell your seventeen year old self three things, mm. Ed, what would they be? You know what? I, I find it really hard. As a, I, I think this is probably common to a lot of uh, business people that uh, I find it really hard to look back at my 17-year-old self, or even, to be honest, my 35-year-old, 40-year-old self. I, I, I think I've made so many mistakes, and without them, I wouldn't have got to where I am. So I, do, I, I think going back and trying to remedy them before they occur wouldn't be a very sensible thing to do. Um, I... I, I feel like I, I've been, unlike mates that I've got, I, I don't think I've ever had a day in my career, whichever job it's been doing, that I've found any um, sort of despondency in doing it and being totally disconnected from purpose. So you just feel like you're slaving away on something. I've always enjoyed my work. So I've been very lucky in that sense. So, look, I don't want to say I haven't lived a... Um, um, you know, flawless life by any stretch, and I've had plenty of ups and downs, and you know, losing close members of families, and all the other things that we all go through. But I think that those are all scars that you build up um, on the way through. Um, yeah, I, I think that scar tissue is important. So I'm not sure I'd go back and say change much, to be honest. So the continual the continual learnings. Yeah. Th- there is no two ways about it. You have a forward momentum. You know. Um, thought process which befits where you are today and mm. and the journey to get here which has never been perfect but it's been progressive yep and every what we might be able to tell ourselves whether we were 17 35 or 40 is is a learning that has added to the makeup of where we are and and and, and the body that connects yeah. all the spider legs mate so. no, exactly yeah i do mate as a 17 year old i got caught with a bottle of grog at school and got in trouble for that i'd probably <laughs> i'd tell myself to to have taken a different path home that didn't run straight into a teacher would probably be the first thing i'd say <laughs> there you go if yeah. you could remove all barriers and constraints what project would you do and why i would love to know how to get from our current uh, stage of building our cathedral to our ultimate vision and that uh, we talk internally here that uh, you know, I, I, whenever you go to a, a big city anywhere around the world and you look up at the skyline you see normally a, a handful of brands that are pretty familiar um, you know, your PWCs, KPMGs, you know, the big four as they're called and um, I think what they all have in common, funnily enough, is that none of us really know what they do. Uh, uh, you might, Stefan, then uh, you know, your experience and so on. But, you know, what I, I, and I use some of them. That the, the, I, I find that I just, they're kind of problem solvers for big business. Um, and what I would love to do is create a business that would be sitting up amongst those skyscrapers that uh, is really just known as a helping or problem-solving entity for small business. I'd love to dedicate the rest of my professional life to helping small business in any way, and not just limited to what we do at the moment. Uh, uh, It would be to smash through that barrier and say, look, fundamentally what I think we're really good at is helping. The subject matter happens to be employment relations, but if uh, you and I sat down and said, right, let's list the 10 biggest pain points we've had in, in setting up our own businesses, uh, I reckon we could probably then say, okay, let's go and set up a business doing those 10 things for other small businesses because we'll all have suffered the same uh, pain points. So I'd love to get, do that. And that, that would be the way that I'd really like to crack through uh, our own glass ceiling. I love that. 
my God, that moves me. When you say that, that moves me in a, my team are going to really get concerned when I just say (laughs) I just got moved. Yeah. (laughs) It relates to what you just said. Every city, and it ain't about big. It's about impact. Yeah. It's about impact. It's about, you know, small business is very different to middle and or big business. It's very different. Same, same. But it's different. You've got you got people on the front line who are taking arrows in the front in the chest. They're mm. copping bullets in the brain. They're on the front line, and yeah. um, it's unique, yeah. and it's different, and it has its own set of code as it relates to success. That moved me, man. Beautiful, yeah. love that. Yeah. What's the biggest surprise you've had in business or life, and why? The biggest surprise I've had in business um, uh, and why. Um, so in, in, in business, I think, uh, in, in, I, I look at the term surprise, we use it internally, probably in a negative way. Uh, so I'll, I'll answer it in there. The, yeah, we talk about internally one of our, the behaviors that we expect to people here is we say no surprises, um, which normally means, you know, uh, people breaking their promise to you in some way or other. Um, so I, yeah, I've had a, a, a couple of moments in business where I've, I feel like I've, uh, I, and I, I still do it. So I don't think it was a naivety, but it's sort of done things on a handshake, you know, it, 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 with, with people that I think are, um, uh, would stand good to that handshake and then feel like that trust in people has been contravened. So that's this kind of surprise that really goes to my core. And the reason it does uh, is this is I, yeah, we, we have as a value here that um, uh, honesty, and you might say, okay, yeah, every, everyone has bloody honesty as one of their values. But uh, the other thing that you get to choose when you're setting up your own business, not, uh, not only your own job title, as I mentioned earlier, but uh, also you get to choose the values at the start. And, uh, and I went ahead and said, look, if there's one value that I think defines me, and I absolutely, you know, I've, I've never been a shouter or a ranter and a raver, but if ever, anyone ever really wanted to test me out, it would be by being dishonest to me. Yeah, and I, I hold that value so true to myself that I feel the need for the business to live it as well. So my biggest disappointments in life always come back to that, that someone's failed to be honest with me in some way or other. No surprises. I was um, interviewing a, uh, a couple of brothers yesterday who recently sold, when I say recently, in the last year and a bit, they sold their business, which was a family-owned, privately held business, for $130 million. Wow. That's a great and job. a phenomenal, a phenomenal yeah. story in its own right. And um, as a response to a similar question in our, in our meeting yesterday, they said, no surprises. Yeah. No yeah. surprises. And never, mess, and never mess with the business. Yeah. Never mess with the business. Be very careful about you know selling the farm too early. Mm. Being really clear about okay, wh- wh- what is our next level of one percent improvement? Where's that coming from? How yeah. we're bringing the team along? So, so real no surprises is something that resonates with me um, in a big way. Do you have any secret routines that help you stay productive? Ed? I mean, you're again, you're, you're you're at the top of a very you know formidable tree here. Do you have any secret routines that help you stay productive? Help you stay focused committed yeah um yeah i've got some i mean some of them might seem quite minor but they they're they're important to me and i 
I think that you know anyone that's ever done one of those disc profiles on themselves, you know, they, you, you, you on that disc profile either tend to be some combination of these things, or either a dominant uh, personality, um, you're an influencing personality, uh, a, a sort of detail orientated personality, or a supportive one. And I, I tend towards detail. I'm a bit of a fusser naturally. Um, which isn't always great as uh, as an entrepreneur. I think sometimes those that are more dominant influencers tend to be uh, the more naturally gifted entrepreneurs. Um, uh, and they're often salespeople as well. I think a lot of good entrepreneurs have that great uh, sales skill. Um, so I have to consistently get over to that side of things for myself, like doing the doing that live stream, for example. What I recognize in myself as I've got older is that to act out of character like that um, uh, drains me in ways that I need to understand how to uh, you know, manage my time and my energy properly. And there's a few key things for that in me. And uh, you know, having kids taught me that sleep's pretty bloody crucial. So I make sure I'm uh, pretty, I don't get it right all the time, but I, I try and be disciplined about that. Exercise is very important to me. So I do that um, every morning when I get up uh, when I fail um it clears my head gets me set for the day and related to that just making sure i eat pretty healthily i think if i lose any one of those three things I, I, i'm on the back foot and then i have two core meetings every single week um on thursday uh i speak to um a chap that has been a i think he, he, i'd call him a business coach now but it'd be he, i worked with him when i played sport there's a performance coach then uh, and I have a one-to-one -one with him, which is a pretty indulgent thing. I get to talk about myself and my mood and what's been good. And it's really important just to recenter me for the week. Uh, and then second, that I have a second version of that where I've got a mate who started a business at the same time. And uh, he's the sort of on that spectrum. He's the opposite side to me. He's very much a dominant influencer guy. He's uh, he's a, his, his biggest problem is the detail orientation in that he, uh, he, he, he picks things up and puts them down, moves on to the next thing quickly. And um, so I, I, I hope what I do is pull him back towards detail a bit and get him to finish off things he started and vice versa. He tends to get me to sweat in the detail a bit less. And um, I'll often turn up, I meet him at six in the morning for a walk once a week and I'll turn up full of some steam coming out of my ears about something. And by the end of the walk, I've realized it's totally inconsequential. And so uh, those, are, those are two sort of secret ingredients to my week, I'd say. Yeah, well done. And some people would say those two meetings are about therapy, but no, they're not. Yeah. They're about being human and being able to express without judgment. Um, yeah. Just for your information, you may already know that the most successful profile the most successful, not to say any other profile's not, is the adapted combination between D and C. Yeah, that's interesting. The most successful profile yep. in the world okay. as it relates to DISC is DC adapted. As in the, the most successful entrepreneur. Dominant, dominant, dominant compliant. Dominant yeah. compliant, but in the adapted space, which there are two types of way. Adapted is what you bring. It's your mask. It's what I'm seeing in you today. It's what you see in me today. It's my, I'm in my uniform with my boxer shorts on. I'm, I'm in my adapted workspace here. Yeah. So it's yeah. part of what I need to do now that has me not being as, you know, as natural as I would be if you were in my backyard. Yeah. At a barbecue, 
with with friends and and family that you feel very comfortable with. The way yeah. you lie on your couch watching a little bit of TV tonight is your natural. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Yeah. The way and you turn up here, whether it's with a tracksuit or not, doesn't matter. Is you're adapted because there's mm. a there's a persona. There is definitely there is the professional, which is called the adapted. So the most successful profiles in the world yeah. are DCs. So okay. you're 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 on what many would regard on the right side of the ledger. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, That's there's, good there. there's plenty of people that are ISs or SCs that are also, yeah. I mean, there's no, you can't label it, but as, a, as an indicator, the most successful profiles are DCs. So yeah. That's good to hear. Bringing the balance of sweating the small stuff to a, a healthy level, slowing down. Oh yeah, we're doing this as well. Of course. So we're going to do this as well. Let's do that one as well. The Ds yeah. back into a healthy level. Hang on. Let me think about this a little more. Very, yeah. very important. I know for me, as, I, and I, as I'm getting older, I'm moving more and more into a DS profile. Interesting. Which is quite hard because they're the opposite sides of the spectrum, aren't they, in many ways? I, I, I am becoming the classic flatliner. Yeah, yeah. So you adapt and mirror and match and you, yeah. you can be in any situation and, and yeah. breathe easily, you know what I mean? Yeah. So nothing needs to be in a hurry. Yeah. You just need to be clear. Yeah. Um, what's been your biggest failure in the last year and why do you think that happened? In the last year, what's been my, my biggest failure? Um, so what I, I've been trying to do is to, to, to in, in, is breed a form of succession into the business, not because I'm going anywhere, but just because uh, I, I think that's the right thing to do and also to empower my team to do more and more themselves. And I, it's a consistent failure for me that I... I will let the rope out slightly on that and then I'll yank it back when I don't think things are going as quickly or um, uh, in the right direction that I want them to. And so it's my, my failure to actually achieve. And maybe I have incrementally achieved a bit more. Maybe if I was able to time travel back a year ago and I'd find that I was actually more, I was, I was pulling in people, people in tighter than I am today. But um, it's a journey that I'm on uh, and perhaps I, I want it to happen more quickly than I'm achieving it. It's no criticism of my team, uh, by the way, it's criticism of me uh, in that um, the, the biggest problem in that equation is me not being able to let go of things rather than them not being able to step up. So, Yeah, nice. And, and, and you, you wouldn't be solo on that. And it's very easy to reflect, hence why the question is where it is, on... Yeah what could I have done differently in the last 12 months, which is not necessarily just a failure. It's just, okay, how am I learning from that? Yeah. Which is all about trust in my opinion. How do you learn to trust yourself a little bit more? Yeah. And that's always a journey that's never complete. Um, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Uh, so I've recognized with time that uh, uh, yeah, we'll all have had this during uh, uh, various periods of running a business where you feel so bloody exhausted that um, uh, I used to joke with a mate of mine who works in, he's an investment guy and uh, I, he, he'd say, oh, you know, he'd start asking questions about how the business is growing and so on. I'd say, look, mate, you, you can have it if you pay me the price of the taxi to get home. I'm so knackered. I just, uh, uh, I just want to go have a good, good rest. Uh, and that I feel like we, yeah, we can all feel like that quite a lot of the time, actually. And what I've realized, actually, the solution to that is not a holiday. It's not another hour of sleep at night. It's not, not, not even the planks I've explained. The solution is just reconnecting to purpose all the time. So 
Um, again, you know, using that live stream thing as an example, that just helped me stay really tight to purpose during a really challenging time. So instead of actually in a really heavy period of work during the crisis, you end up working harder, but you feel more more um, uh, happier, um, energetic, and so on because you're much tighter, much more tightly connected to your purpose. Love that. Uh, if you could have a dinner party with just three people, dead or alive, who would they be and why do you choose them? Uh, so um, I'd invite my mum along, which is a bit, uh, you know, I, I live all the way over here, so I only get to see her very rarely and uh, she's pretty front of mind at the moment in the midst of this crisis of feeling a bit isolated from, uh, uh, from family in that respect. So she'd be a good representative of that. She'd tell me to keep my manners good as well. So... Uh, Keep, would keep me in check at this dinner party um and then uh you know leaders that uh, I- I- inspire me would be the next um uh, category of people um you know people people i feel like i can learn from and apply things to in my own life rather than just you know stars because i'd be starstruck by them so I, I think, and it, again, it's got nothing to do with policy. It's to do with the way they carry themselves. I, I, every time still when I listen to Obama speak, I'm just, he sends shivers up my spine, you know, and uh, if I could you know, have a dose of those oratory skills, like the, his ability to lead because of that oratory is, is just remarkable. So it's not so much the substance even of what he says that I'd be interested in. It's just his ability to storytell and connect people to story in that way. So my mum, uh, Obama, um, uh, and then um, let's go for a sporting leader that uh, uh, um, I'd like to spend some time with. There's a, a great TV show that I'd, I'd recommend anyone to watch at the moment that's on um, Amazon Prime. It's called All or Nothing. And if you're half into sport, it's, it's, it's a fly-on-the-wall documentary with a different sports team each series. And they do NFL, English soccer, and so on. And, and they, um, uh, they went on fly-on-the-wall with Manchester City, an English soccer team, and the, the leader there, co-manager there, is a guy called Pep Guardiola, who just in the series came across as just a brilliant leader of people and had such an amazing level of humanity of his players that I'd love to um, uh, pick uh, his brains a bit as well. He seems like quite a character as well in the series. I read an article on Pep about two years ago that just blew me yeah. away. Yeah. As yeah. to the depth, the depth of just understanding people. Mm. And, you know, um, you know, leadership is not just about, you know, he who is the strongest, she who is the strongest. Yeah. Leadership is about growing people. Yeah. Leadership yeah. is about empowerment. It's about being okay with vulnerability and truthfulness. And, yeah. and um, it's just he does come across. Obviously, he's got amazing success to prove it as well in recent years, but his ability to just move people to yeah. levels they have never been before is um, spot on. really and it, it, amazing. It seems to, to an outsider for me looking at those teams, you assume that you know these guys are all ultra-talented, hugely well paid how hard can it be to lead them but actually you just you get the glimpse inside this organization and as a starting point you've got a huge amount of ego to manage um uh and how he does that is very inspiring but apart from it, he's got people from around the world um most of whom don't speak english um not just as a first language but don't speak fluently 
and he's got to somehow lead and inspire a group in that way uh, through the ego uh, and so forth whilst bringing out the best on the field and it's it's yeah it's a particular leadership problem that's not necessarily um true to all organizations but it's it's certainly one i think he does brilliantly and there's quite a lot to learn from him but and in fairness, unless you're in the inner sanctum, you don't you don't get. He's not as high profile as many other managers of um, you know no. elite sporting teams, let alone. And it's it just sort of struck me as a surprise when I was reading this article and I couldn't let it go because it was like, wow, what, that's there's so much gold in that. So just just an unannounced question for you: um, two books that you could recommend on business and or personal development. What would they be? Two books, and it's okay if you only give me one. I know yeah. I'm off guard on this one. No, I'm happy to I run the risk of uh, giving you the two most recent ones rather than the two most uh, powerful ones. I mean, I'll try and dust off the memory bank slightly. You've probably been given these before, but... That's okay. Um, uh, the Hard Thing About Hard Things, a great entrepreneur's book. Uh, I love that one. Um, uh, it's by Ben Horowitz, isn't it? Um, uh, it just sort of takes the shine off. Yeah, I think you can sometimes listen to entrepreneurial stories as I do. And sometimes you hear that people say things with, through such starry, uh, you know, rose-tinted lenses that you think you must be doing something wrong because you don't necessarily feel that way about everything in your own business. And you, I think it's hard to remember sometimes that, you know, these stories come from the other side, like the two brothers you mentioned, they've they've sold out and therefore... Yeah, you know, memory has a funny thing. Uh, it does a funny thing, and just tends to help you remember just the good times. And this book really brings out the grit in entrepreneurship, and uh, so therefore I really love that. Um, and then the other we mentioned it earlier, and I, it's yeah, it, it, if it's been mentioned before, it's because it's that good that I think you can barely do business or leadership without reading it, which is good to great with Jim Collins. So. Uh, it's just such an important text in, and for me at least, in the way I want to lead, um, uh, in the way I want to and hope to inspire people here, um, it taught me a lot, as well as the concept of how to bring the best out of your organisation. So, and, and something we really brought to life at Business Benchmark Group, as it relates to that book and the Jim Collins uh, journey, mm. uh, yeah, the Stockdale paradox. Mm. Which yeah. is just, you know, if, if there's ever been a year where the Stockdale paradox has has been needed and it needs to be, you know, taught to every child and, and everyone running a business, let alone living life, you know, no matter how bad things are, there's always going to be a silver lining. You're yeah. always going to see the upside for, uh, you know, uh, whatever is deemed to be just not appropriate right now. So the Stockdale paradox, which is, a again, a befitting... Um, component of the uh, the good to great legend of jim collins mm. for us in biz- at business benchmark we really raised the uh the awareness for our clients and our community with that earlier this year yeah. if i can help you unwind three financial decisions in your life and we're nearly there <laughs> if i can help you unwind three financial yeah. decisions in your life how much more money would you have right now uh you know what? I, 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 where I'm crappy with financial decisions, and I, I wonder if this is common to uh, in, um, these are personal ones rather than employee sure ones. But uh, uh, I, as an investor in things, I, I'm, I'm a sort of perfect contraindicator. So if I if I buy a house, go and sell yours quickly, like uh, the market's just peaked, 
and I, I suspect a lot of small business owners are like this, where your assets end up just totally tied up as mine are in, in employshaw. You know, I, I'm not a wealthy bloke in terms of uh, uh, cash at hand. Uh, I've got an asset that I'm trying to build for another day for my family. But uh, yeah, I've, Buying buying a house uh, at the top of the market. Um, uh, I, I bought a place in London before I left there in uh, in 2007. Just I think probably about three days before Lehman went bust. Was uh, uh, and then uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I then um, uh, I invested in a mate's business. Did a classic thing there. That uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't unwind it to be honest. Because like I said, I don't think any of these. The, I wouldn't be any wealthier today, really. You know, I just, um, uh, and I'm pleased I did it. I'm pleased I tried to support that mate. It, it didn't didn't cause a problem, fortunately, of our relationship. But uh, um, yeah, and then I've, I've never touched stocks or shares. I, well, I do, I, I'd say the one thing I didn't do that I wish I had, I, I was lucky enough to meet uh, a chap called Nick Molnar, who's, uh, you might have heard of as a, the guy that founded Afterpay. And uh, um, on this walk I go with once go for once a week, my friend brought him along about five, six years ago, a bit longer, and he explained what Afterpay was. And I sort of, you know, rose and I was like, yeah, I'll never get off the ground, you know, and, then, <laughs> and didn't invest in it. It was a public company at the time. You could have invested oh. in it. And, uh, <laughs> he's just one of the most incredible entrepreneurial stories for Australia to have ever produced, let alone, you know, currently. And, uh, yeah, I, I, he was right under my nose on a walk, and I didn't, I didn't recognise it. So. Wow! I mean, that's um, great sharing there, mate. And it's interesting yeah. uh, where, where people go with that question, and and uh, I love where you went. That was good. And, and finally, what is the best advice you've ever been given, ever received, and you're open-minded enough to take it and think, you know, hmm, that made a difference. So, what is the best advice you've ever received, and why? Probably there's I'm going to steal an extra half of one there. Just as a general mantra in life is to only seek to control the controllables. So that's a mantra that someone gave me, and I use it to whenever I'm stressed or getting in catastrophizing about things. I just remind myself to get back to center and um, uh, not try and control everything. Um, but the better advice I'd say would be from my wife was uh, so our investor here at Employshore is um, a company based in the UK. And uh, when, so I did the first year here out of my own pocket and um, got it up and going, but it wasn't profitable. I'd run out of all my savings and uh, you know, I hadn't earned an income for uh, a year or more. Um, and uh, without an investment at that point, there was a risk that we would have gone bust. Um, and uh, we wouldn't have made it. And I was just about to go and get on a plane to the UK to go and have to negotiate with these guys. And, uh, and my wife just looked at me and she said, just do the bloody deal. That's all she said. <laughs> and it, yeah, it, it didn't matter what the deal was, just do the bloody deal. And it was good for me where, you know, I'm competitive and everything comes with, uh, uh, as an ex-barrister, you think you've got to fight everything, not, not necessarily just... Uh, uh, recognize that sometimes a deal is better than uh, whatever the deal is better than no deal and uh, it's turned out to be the best relationship I could have had they've been great investors for the last uh, uh, 10 years and uh, I've learned so much from them uh, and just having the humility to do the deal rather than try and win the deal was a really good um, uh, piece of advice 
Uh, well done, and thank you for your sharing. Thank you for your time this afternoon, and and I'm sure plenty that will uh, get to listen will uh, certainly agree with me. What an what an awesome uh, afternoon in the sharing. Um, Ed Mallett, founder and managing director of EmployShore, Australia and New Zealand's leading outsourced HR option. Um, 25,000 plus clients, each of them get treated as equal and as important to each other. 950 amazing people deep as it relates to the, uh, the, the providing of the service and the supporting of the service and just a formidable journey that, um, you know, no, no glass ceiling. And um, I love your work, Ed, and I love your vision and um, keep on doing what you do because it's important and needed and it's making a significant impact and many more than you think. So well done. Congratulations. Thank you for being here this afternoon. Ed Mallett, owner and uh, managing director of EmployShore, a great Australian story in the making. Thanks, Stephen. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 039001. 0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.